Tonight's Bible reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting from verses, verse 19. Uh, the Apostle Paul in this passage has many side thoughts, so it's a particularly helpful one to have open in front of you as we approach the sermon. Let me read. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So, as to, so as to win those not having the law, to win those... To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Friends, uh, Nathan Campbell is an Australian pastor and he came up with this expression. Think about this for a moment. Evangelism in a sceptical world is a team game. Well, in fact, that's not a new idea. I think that's a biblical idea that evangelism in any type of time or society is a team game. For example, when the Apostle Paul travelled from place to place, sometimes you think the Apostle Paul, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Uh, he must have been this great one person evangelist. But when you read his story, he had people all around him. He had uh, partners, Timothy and, and others. Uh, he would then write to people and tell them how much he really appreciated all they'd done for him, how they prayed for him, how they supported him, how they visited him and so on. Even in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 4 to 10, he says, you know how we lived among you. It's encouraging the church. Said, Remember you heard the gospel? You watched how we lived? We live radically different lives. Paul was a team person. So when we run Christianity Explained, say, or an Alpha course, explaining the gospel of people, it might be six-week course or eight-week course, it's not me who runs it, we have a team. Someone organises dessert and coffee, someone invites someone else, someone does the presentation, someone leads the discussions afterwards. You see, there's a team of us praying, working, trusting God to do His work. Now, youth ministry, I know on Friday nights, uh, it's just one person who runs the program, right? Lachlan, he's the youth pastor. Oh, he's got an intern now, 10 or 15 hours a week. So two of them, they run the program for 100 teenagers, correct? Of course not. Right? I see all these youth leaders here. It takes a team. And he works with the team, and you work with the young people in different age groups. And someone runs the games, and someone does the music, and someone gives the talk for the night. And then someone looks after supper, and someone then sits with someone who's struggling and talks to them about their problems and their needs. You're a team working together for the glory of Jesus. When we run playtime ministry, mums come together, they talk, they pray, and they try to encourage each other and reach out to others. Now, it's not a new idea, I said, this whole idea that evangelism is a team game. When Jesus said to his disciples, listen to what he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, this is before he went back to heaven, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. 
He says to his disciples, a group of them, not just one disciple, guys, you've got a job to do. Go out together and fulfill this mission. But what I, I love about this verse is this, what he says at the end, and surely I, Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I thank God that when we go out and do God's ministry, it's not in our power, it's not in our strength. God is with us, Jesus is with us. But more than that, Jesus said he would pour out his Holy Spirit upon us. And so as the disciples hung around, when Jesus went back to heaven, they waited for the Holy Spirit to come and be poured upon them. Acts chapter 2. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So when we think about together in promoting the gospel, together in sharing Jesus' love, we do it as a team. We do it with Jesus never leaving us by our side, and we do it filled with the Holy Spirit with the power to see results come. So six principles tonight. See how you go. Six ways that God has called us to go. Number one, go and spend time with the lost. Spend time with the lost. Go and spend time with those who do not yet know Jesus. We're talking about their loss spiritually. They might be lost in other ways as well, but we're talking about being lost spiritually. Now, Jesus did this all the time, and in fact, he got in trouble for it. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Interesting that Jesus, the prophet, the Son of God, is preaching, and all the crazies are coming to listen to him. All the ones who are sinners, all the ones who are evil, all the ones who are messing up their lives, they're being attracted to Jesus. A bit like some people with different needs around the world, right? Coming to uh, Power to Change online, going, can you pray for me? Can you help me? I don't believe in you. I'm an atheist. I'm a witch, whatever. But can you pray for me? God brings people closer to the truth. But you see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. In other words, they thought he was... Uh, condoning or accepting their behavior. He wasn't. He came to bring life to them. Jesus one day met Zacchaeus. You know, he's the little guy hanging up on a tree in Luke 19. Sees Jesus. Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus jumps down. You're coming to my house. The prophet Jesus. Zacchaeus was hated. He was a chief tax collector. And so he opens up his home to Jesus and his mates. And there are Zacchaeus' mates, these tax collectors, these evil people, these cheats, uh, the hated ones, and Jesus is there with his mates. And Zacchaeus repents. He changes his heart. He hears the gospel. He changes. And Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus went out of his way to be of all backgrounds, the religious, the ordinary, the outcasts, came to seek and to save what was lost. Now, let me say, for us here, in our regular ministries at Nawi Baptist Church, children's ministry, youth ministry, young adults, adults, school scripture, through our cross-cultural workers, and our craft groups, and our playtime groups, God brings non-Christians to us. Right? And we're called to love them and to serve them. But also, I encourage you to, to go out to where non-Christians are. Join a Christian group on campus for encouragement and strength, and then reach out on your university campus. Get together with some other Christian friends at school, at your school, and pray for your non-Christian friends and look for opportunities to share Jesus with them at school. And invite your friends to youth group on a Friday night. Or invite them to a Bible study Sunday afternoon. Or if you're interested in the church, invite them to church. Join a gym with others, play indoor soccer or touch football. Think of something you can do where you are mixing with people who do not yet know Jesus. 
get involved is coaching or refereeing or playing. Uh, for older ones, join Rotary Alliance or Propus groups. Volunteer and do something. Sam Chan, we talked about his book, How to Talk About Jesus. We have uh, about 12 copies left. Sam Chan is a, uh, a crazy Asian evangelist. This guy, I mean, he just talks, talks, talks. It's funny. He tells stories. And, but I think he became a dad later on in life, got married a little bit later, and uh, he's 50 plus, but he's got some young kids. And he has a chapter in there. He says, we need to follow Jesus, right? Follow the example of Jesus. He went to the home of a Pharisee, for example. He went to people he wouldn't normally, or the religious would not normally associate with. Sorry, I get that. He went to the home of someone who didn't like him very much. That was the Pharisee. And then he says, things I've learned, he says, go to their things. He learned with young kids, he said, birthday parties, school plays, Tupperware parties, trivia nights, barbecues, go to where the people are. He says, get on their rosters. He said, I realized when I uh, had young kids and I signed them up for the local rugby team, you don't just drop them off and go home. You know, sporting teams, you know what happens? Your parents are hanging around, right? They're doing the barbecue, they're umpiring, they're scoring, they're doing something. He says, join the rosters, get to know people that way. Then he said, for those who have kids uh, in primary school, and he said, in the past, uh, churches were the village hub. Going back 30, 40, 50 years, the church was the center of community. Everyone got married in church. Everyone got buried in church. Well, they had their funeral there. Not anymore. But he says, for many people with young kids, the school is the village hub. So if you have younger kids, up to about primary, high school, it changes. High schoolers don't care about their parents, right? <laughs> parents don't turn up to things at school, in high school. But when, you, when they're little, eight, nine, ten, parents are in the school all the time. They're volunteering. They're doing things. They're helping do everything. And he says, be part of that. And he, he mentions how his wife joined this, uh, this school committee. Now doing a Christmas event. And he said, the previous year, they had no Christian carols involved in it. But as she got involved and she made some suggestions, they were able to have a mixture of carols and Christian influence in that event, just by being in there amongst the lost. We need close proximity with non-believers if they're going to hear the gospel. Secondly, go and be flexible. Go and be flexible. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, which was our Bible reading, talks about becoming all things to all people. And you know, the, I might throw the Bible passage up there. But what he's really saying is that when I'm with, I'm with a Jewish person, I eat like a Jew, I dress like a Jew, I follow the customs of the Jews. When I'm with the Gentiles, the non-Jews, I behave like them, I eat like them, I identify with them and so on. And he said, I will fit in, in matters that are not biblical matters, to fit in so I can love people and share Christ with them. He's willing to adapt his style of ministry to reach others. In fact, this is how far he would go in Acts chapter 16, verse 3. He had Timothy circumcised, ouch, for the sake of ministry among the Jews. He says Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And he thought, well, if you come with me, they won't listen to you. Well, we get you circumcised, that you're, okay, you're okay, they'll listen to you. Maybe you don't have to go that far. He behaved differently with the Jews and with the Gentiles to reach as many people as possible. He's willing to adapt in spiritually neutral areas. Someone will then say to me, well, how far can you go? Well, my friend's going out to a pub and they're all getting drunk. Can I get drunk with them to identify with them? The answer is no. Well, all my friends are sleeping around, so I'm just going to get in there and be like them. No, 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 no. 
Well, they're doing, you know, smoking some stuff that's not very good for you. No, 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 that, no, that's not what we're talking about here. In spiritually neutral areas, the things that don't matter, he changes and he adapts to fit in to share the gospel. I love this. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. He says, I'll change whatever is necessary. Let me show you uh, what it looks like today, for example. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. And in the early days when he became a missionary, he saw the Chinese would have long braided hair and they would special clothes that they would wear. And as a Westerner going into there, most of the Western missionaries just wore Western clothes, right? From the UK or, and Europe and so on. But he decided to have his hair braided like the Chinese people he's trying to reach. Uh, he started to wear the clothes they, they wore. He started to eat the food they ate. They ate, and the other missionaries made fun of him. They said, what are you doing, mate? You're just becoming like them. But Hudson Taylor knew there was a difference between the trappings and the gospel. And friends, when we try to reach out to people, we need to be conscious of that. You know, I, I remember a story of a guy called John Smith. I think he's passed away now. And I heard him speak once, and when John Smith grew up, he said, I was a white guy, I was right-wing politically, and I was a teacher somewhere in the outback of Queensland. And somewhere God convicted him uh, to change his heart and to really have the heart of Jesus. And then God put something on his mind. He said, John, I want you to reach the biker community. He said, oh, I was the less likely person to, to reach the biker community than anyone else. And I read his book, and what did he do? He then learned to ride a motorbike. He then bought leather jackets. Then he started to, to, to ride his bike and get better at it. And he then, God used him to an amazing ministry in the biking community. He set up uh, the God Squad, a Christian biking group and others. He said, there are all these lost people in the biking community, gangs and so on, they're killing each other. And some of them were nicer, but he said, I wanted to get into that community to love them. You don't have to go that extreme. One of our friends, uh, my friend's Brett Davis, he decided years ago as a surfer, he said, um, surfers talk differently. Anyone noticed? They use words like grommets, and I don't even know what they are. I thought grommets are something you put in your ears, and, uh, but they're not. And, and so the surfing, and they set up this ministry of the surfers, and it's gone all, right around the world, the surfing community. Because one guy and a couple of mates thought, started in Cronulla, said, we want to reach the surfing community. Set up Bible studies and evangelism to reach people like that. And... Um, one of my mates, uh, a guy called Archie Perlos, decided to reach uh, people from a Greek background at the University of New South Wales some 30 years ago. Because when Greeks and Italians and others came to faith, they came out of Greek Orthodoxy, Roman Catholicism, and it was a bit hard to break away and fit into a normal church, or a Protestant church or a Baptist church. So they set up a, a little church for them called um, Greek Bible Fellowship. And I used to go along on a Friday night, and people from similar background to mine were coming to know Jesus and follow him. And we ate a certain way, and we shared certain food. Good food, right? Greek food and Lebanese sweets and uh, all that type of stuff. You should try it. Um, and, but it, they just felt at home in that community. That's now grown, and, uh, and it continues to meet. Now it's called something else, and it meets in Arncliffe. Our Chinese ministry here at church, uh, years ago, uh, we had some good Chinese evangelists in our church. They were reaching out to their friends, discipling them in Bible studies. We ran outreach nights with 200 people, Chinese people, in the hall at uh, Chinese New Year's and so on. And after a while, we thought, maybe we should employ a pastor. Let's go to the next step and uh, set up a church service. In 2014, we did that first extension, stage one, for those who remember, 1.4 million or something. 
And we, at the same time we're about to do that, we employed a two-day-a-week Chinese pastor so we can reach out to the increasing number of Chinese people in our community. Happens in playtime ministries, happens in children, teenage ministry. Focus, target, change how you do things. You know, when I, f- I should say this. When I first came to this church 25 years ago, uh, the young people are pretty radical. They kept putting all these black drapes up everywhere. Oh. And the oldies used to say to me, I'm glad you're here, Pastor, because those young people, they put black up everywhere. Black's the, the colour of the devil. I tell you, it's not good to have black up everywhere. And um, so we'd have outreach service. That's what they used to tell me. And I said, no, it's okay. You know, God makes all the colours, white and black. I said, I wear a lovely black suit to, the, to weddings. I said, black's a nice colour. But people had certain ideas of what you needed to do. And we're happy to be creative. We're happy to use drama, um, dance, uh, if you want to dance in worship, yeah. Um, at least drama, probably more than dance. But all to, you know, whatever you guys like. And, uh, but we need to be interesting, creative, and do whatever is necessary to reach as many people as possible. I mean, these guys, Powder Change, they play their bands. I, I've watched them once or twice. They, they sing on, on, their, on their live stream events and people connect. They have a heart to reach out to others, and they are doing that. Praise God for that. Thirdly, go and do good works. As you go and are flexible, do the things that Jesus would want you to do. Love people, serve people. In the same way, let your light shine before men and women, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see, as we go out into the community... We shouldn't just be talking about Jesus. People should see that we love Jesus and we serve people, we care for people. It says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, that you might come across people who don't like you as a Christian, maybe at school, maybe at university, maybe at work, and they put you down all the time. But when there's an opportunity, like they've got a problem, be the person who's there to listen to them. Be the person who's there to visit them in hospital if they have an accident. Be the person who drops in a meal when they need a meal. Be the person who helps pay for their new tyre if they need that new tyre. And then you're going to surprise them with love. And they go, wow, I've been pestering this guy, I've been putting this person down all the time. And they love me. They'll see your good deeds. They'll be convicted of their sin. They'll come to Jesus and they will glorify God on the day he visits us. John Dixon, in his book called Promoting the Gospel, tells the story of Kim and Christian. And um, Kim was part of a playtime ministry at the church. She wasn't a Christian. Christian wasn't a Christian. Um, But Kim's daughter became quite ill. I think her name was Sophie. And uh, at that point, the other playtime uh, parents got involved. They started dropping meals. They had a meals roster. They had a visitation roster. Someone from a Bible study in the church turned up with a bunch of flowers and also said, by the way, our home group, our Bible study group is praying for you. This woman said, Kim said, I didn't know any of these people who are visiting me, telling me they're praying for me. And I just realized that these women in this playtime were showing me the love of God. And then one day, because they loved me so much, they invited me uh, to to hear a speaker at a women's event. As a South African speaker, great evangelist, had a great story. She taught him how to become a follower of Jesus, and she became a Christian. She went home and uh, spoke to her husband, Christian, who was a French guy, I think he said, and uh, he wasn't a Christian. And he said, well, a Christian. He said, and he then explored Christianity. He too came to faith. It started a playtime ministry, a non-Christian mother 
who had a need, where Christians loved and served and invested in her, which opened up her eyes. She saw the good deeds and is now glorifying God and looked forward to his coming again. Fourthly, go and promote the gospel in daily conversations. We go, we're flexible, we do good deeds, but somewhere we have to tell them about Jesus, right? Otherwise, they'll think you'll just do good works and you'll end up in heaven. No, that's not how it works. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Listen to that language, gentleness, respect. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, we are not to be Bible bashers. Uh, the non-Christian world thinks, oh, you know, you guys are Bible bashers. You just want to dump the Bible on me. That's not what Christians are. And if you're not a Christian tonight, I apologize for anyone who's Bible bashed you. We're called to listen to you, to love you, to hear what you're thinking, and to see how Jesus can, can change your life. I was talking to a friend once who was in hospital, and uh, next door to him uh, was another uh, patient. And a Christian came to visit the patient. And he was listening in to see what would happen. And this Christian just dumped all this Bible and talked about Jesus and quoted the Bible for about an hour. And then he finally left. And the Christian at that thought, time thought he'd done a good job. When the guy left, this guy turned to my other mate who was a pastor. He said, I can't believe that guy. I'm so angry. Just get Bible bashing me for an hour. So we have to be wise, right? You have to be smart. Sometimes uh, maybe you've been praying for someone and you, they finally ask you a question about Jesus. I've had this experience. And you think, well, after three years of prayer, finally I can explain it. And you start to tell them about Jesus. Within 30 seconds, their eyes are glazing over. They're looking down, looking around, hoping you will stop. If you notice that, be wise and stop talking because they're not listening. They're not listening. But other times they will ask you. See, uh, my brother-in-law, I was in the city once meeting uh, my wife, and uh, he was, I don't know, I just happened to run into him. We're walking down the street and, um, and he said, out of nowhere. So Ange, can you explain to me what a Christian is? I reckon a Christian is this. Is that correct? For the next 20 minutes, I explained what a Christian was, how he had misunderstand of a Christian, uh, how a person became a Christian, what it meant to follow Jesus and so on. But he asked the question and he engaged in the conversation with me. Be smart how you do that. But let me say, you have to be ready to allow that gospel to come out in a cheerful and generous way. Tim Chester wrote a book called Enjoying God, and our pastors are reading that at the moment, and we're sharing in our team meeting. And there's a section in which he says that if you're enjoying God, it's going to impact your witness and your ministry. And he describes it this way. You can imagine. Imagine a, a tube of toothpaste. I'm holding this here, right? He's going to go and say this. He says, I am a dad... This isn't me, this is Tim Chester, right? I wouldn't do this. I'm a dad, and one of my dad duties is to insist that everyone carefully rolls up the toothpaste tube to extract the last possible bit of toothpaste out of it. Any family do that? You know, just roll it up, make sure you don't waste any. Yeah, yeah, a few of you. And he says, and then he said, this is how evangelism often feels. I screw myself up, and then reluctantly squeeze out a little dollop of gospel, and no one ever seems impressed with what I have to say. Then he says, yet everyone is an evangelist for the things they love. A sports team, a TV show, 
or a new boyfriend or girlfriend. When you're excited about something, you can't keep it in. The engagement, the new baby, the new job, the new car. When you're excited about something, you just tell everyone. And he says, the more we experience a relationship with God and find joy in him, the more our evangelism will be enthusiastic and infectious. It will stop being an awkward exercise imposed on conversation as an act of duty. It's not just a duty. Instead, as an overflow of full hearts, we will speak enthusiastically of the one we love. Instead of being like nearly empty toothpaste tubes, we'll become champagne bottles waiting to explode, fizzing and bubbling over. What type of witness are you? Toothpaste tube? Oh, yeah, I've got to say something about Jesus because the Bible says I should say something about Jesus. Or the one who's just so in love with God, it just overflows, can't help it. Take the top off and it just comes out. I saw a new doctor last Tuesday. I just needed a referral. I wasn't sick. And um, I got talking to this person and she said, oh, you're fine, yeah, I'm pretty well. She did my blood pressure, I was fine. I was good, you know, excellent, great. I said, that's like the, what I like to hear, that it's all excellent. Uh, but how's, have you been, any stresses and struggles? I said, yeah, well, I'm a pastor in the church, I'm a minister, so been a little bit stressful over COVID. You know, lockdown, open up, mask, no mask, you know, all that type of thing. I said, how are you coping with that? I said, we're doing well and well, are you still on live stream, she said. She engaged in conversation. And I said, yes, we are, but we also meet physically. And uh, people are coming together and, you know, people are loving Jesus. And new people, I said, who had never been to our church before, have watched the live stream and now coming. And another couple came last weekend. So they, they came at 11 o'clock service last week. And they said, we've been watching you for six months. Started coming to church. So we look forward to coming back again. And we just start talking a little bit about Jesus. Just letting it come out naturally. At the end of that, I thanked her for seeing me. She thanked me for seeing her. And then just as I was about to walk out, she, she said, and, and God bless you. God bless you. Right? And so, you know, the religious guy's got a blessing. Um, I should have blessed her, right? I should have said, God bless you. And, uh, but what I'm saying, just allow the natural joy of knowing Christ overflow without bashing people over the head with it. Go and invite people to come with you to a place where they will hear the gospel explained. In John chapter 4, Jesus met a Samaritan woman, five husbands. The man she was living with is not her husband. And Jesus engages with her and shows her love and acceptance. And Jesus shows her that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God who's come to rescue his people. And this woman is so moved by Jesus, she runs back to her village. Listen to this. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Her invitation was so impressive, so powerful. She's talked to the whole village. They all follow her, right? Sometimes you, you can say some things, but sometimes you can invite someone to something, right? This powerful invitation. If you build relationships with people, like that playtime lady, Kim, someone then said, why don't you come with me to a place where you'll hear about Jesus? Invite them to church, invite them to Christianity Explain, invite them to an outreach event, invite them to a youth group, invite them to a young adults camp or a Bible study group. Offer to pick them up and bring them with you. You've still got time to get them to the young adults camp. They don't have to, don't have to be Christians to be at the young adults camp, right Matt? Anyone who wants to be in a Christian community and learn about Jesus. Sixthly, go in love to those that God brings to our services, events and ministries. So when you're here on a Sunday night or Sunday morning or Friday night or whatever you're involved with, 
don't assume the people are Christians around you. Because God brings people into our paths who don't yet know Jesus, who are ready and who are truly searching. We spend a lot of time sometimes trying to find people out there and often God brings them in here. Love them, include them, invite them over to your, to, to your homes, go out for coffee, talk with them and show them God's love. Let me sum up. Go and spend time with the lost, be flexible, do good works, promote the gospel in daily conversation, invite people to a place where they can hear about Jesus and go to those that God brings to us right here Friends, let me tell you about some future plans in the area of mission and evangelism as together we want to promote the gospel. In a normal year pre-COVID, we would, uh, after Easter in May, we would run an evangelistic course, maybe Alpha, maybe Christianity Explained. We've done a variety of things, maybe Discovering Jesus. And uh, during COVID, lockdown and so on, we haven't been able to reach as many people in that way. But we are praying towards a similar thing in next term. Following Easter, we want to invite people to come and explore Christianity. I also want to put a team of people together, because we normally do it together, who are keen on that type of thing, who might help us cater, who might uh, uh, help lead discussions and conversations, who will invite people to come with them. So if you're interested in that type of thing, please let me know. And uh, ideally, we want to run a course that term, and then the next term do a discipleship course, maybe another evangelistic course. My prayer in my 25 years has always been if we could do a course every term. Get, pray that God will give us the momentum that new people are coming in. They're doing evangelism course. They're getting discipled. Ne- next term, we get the new people coming in, t- following them through. We want to see it happen in youth ministry, kids ministry, adult ministry. Will you pray about that? That as we head forward into uh, the rest of the year, that God would help us to reach more and more people with Jesus and they will explore the Bible with us and come to know him. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you that you, you speak to us. Through your word, we thank you that you call us to go in Jesus' name to the lost, to be flexible, to do good works, to talk about you, to invite people, and to love people. Help us to be such a people together for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.